on a beautiful Friday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Number one friend of the podcast, Donnie Druin, joins us once again to talk spring camp for football, NFL draft, and the 2021-2022 basketball season. This is the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked On Sun Devils. Your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. I am your host, Richie Bradshaw, your number one co-guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Joined always by my good friend, Connor Drio. Or not joined always. This is actually the last time you guys will ever see Connor Drios on this podcast as a host. He will definitely be making guest appearances ever so often. And we are joined by number one friend of the podcast, Donnie Druin. Make sure you follow uh, all of us on Twitter. Myself wow. at RichieBrads36. That's an entrance. Connor at C. Drios and Donnie at Donnie Druin. Also, make sure you're following the podcast. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms, which includes but is not limited to Spotify, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts on a on a audio platform. We are there and available Monday through Friday. We're also on YouTube if you want to subscribe there. Give a like, give a comment, share the video, see our beautiful faces. Now see Donnie's beautiful face. So let's go ahead and kick it right off. Donnie, as always, thank you so much for joining the pod. Me and Connor are so, so happy whenever you come on. Yeah, I do uh, clear my schedule a little bit, uh, you know, between uh, breathing and eating. But you know what? I, I made it work. And I'm here. Uh, I couldn't you be weren't you weren't covering the Sun Devils in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> this is this is Friday, right? So to make sure this is Friday. They were in San Diego. This is Friday, yes, sir. Sure, they, they were, and then they weren't, and then they weren't exactly. Can, can I tell you guys that was the quickest trip to Vegas I've ever had, <laughs> and I I didn't even lose money. I was, I was just, just a quick trip to, to Vegas. Ask. Yeah. Dude, I remember texting you the night that we lost. I was like, hey, man, are you uh, going to be out there for a little bit or are you turning around? <laughs> nope. I uh, I walked around the strip. Uh, I got something to eat. I bought a shirt for my wife, and then I uh, dipped 530 the next morning. So, Well, there you go. Good for you. So let's go ahead and hop right into this, Donnie. We're going to start with some spring camp. Our, our good friend, Donnie Druin, has actually had the pleasure of going to spring camp uh, covering the team, obviously, for all Sun Devils. If you guys aren't aware, go ahead and make sure you subscribe to them or follow them as well on Twitter at all Sun Devils. But Donnie has been our inside man during during camp. I referenced his article on the Monday edition of the podcast going over everything. So, Donnie, for this Friday edition, can you give us an update on what was going on at camp yesterday? Yeah, second day of camp. Um this is the the last day probably that we'll see uh, of non-contact. Um, teams are allowed to have, I believe, 12 or 13 practices of full contact, but they have to wait until the third practice to actually uh, get full contact going. Um, so Tuesday and Thursday ended up satisfying that. We'll see about Saturday, which is tomorrow. Um, really high energy, to be really honest. And I think with all of the, the negative attention, the, the storylines surrounding this team, uh, particularly the, the coaching staff, who obviously you know the, the players love and will go to battle for any day of the week. I think they were just super ready to, to hit the grass and finally start to play football. So uh, very high energy, obviously. 
there's a lot of holes left on the Sun Devils roster to fill going from last year into 2022, quarterback being the main one. But you also have to remember the offensive line lost three starters. You lost Rashad White and Trip Trainum. You lost, uh, you know, one of your starting tight end, Curtis Hodges. You lost three wide receivers to the transfer portal. You lost your entire secondary, your entire starting secondary from last season there's a lot of holes to fill but also on the other side of the coin there's a lot of players that feel like they could do as good of a job if not a better job than those guys that last year so i mean just talking to the players talking to the coaches there's a real genuine excitement that they can make some noise this year in 2022 so then who who has been sticking out to you so far so probably one of the two biggest names that me and connor we're most excited about from the transfer portal. I believe I can speak for both of us here. So Xavier Halliday was number one. But Corey, what did I say? I thought I said Valaday. Halliday. Did I say Halliday? Zavian Valaday. It's almost baseball season. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. But between Valaday and Corey Bethley, I would say are the two that we're most excited about. Uh, very interesting to see how that secondary is going to shape, shape out. Just give me real quick thoughts about those two and, Overall, just all the transfers that are coming in because there's a lot of guys that are coming into this program right so now. far. Yeah, to be really honest, I think the number one transfer that speaks out off the top of my head is Messiah Swinson. I mean, that guy is an absolute unit at the tight end position. We got to talk to uh, Jalen Conyers today, and he talked about how this is probably the best tight end room that Arizona State has had since he's been there. And Herm Edwards on Tuesday said the same exact thing. He said, don't disrespect to Curtis Hodges. He had a great year for us last year. But like through and through, this is probably the best group of tight ends that we've had. So you have uh, Conyers, you have Swinson, you have Jacob Newell. Uh, you know, that's going to be an incoming high school recruit uh, in the summer, whenever he actually graduates from high school. So uh, Swinson, his presence, I feel like has already been felt. Um, he did take starting reps with the offense on Thursday, whereas Conyers took them on uh, Tuesday. I really wouldn't read too much into that. I do believe ASU is going to utilize both of those tight ends heavily in 2022. It just depends on the personnel package that they prefer to mm -hmm. use on any given place. Swinson is definitely a, a name that should make an impact right away. Uh, Valade, I mean, I am certainly as big of a fan of, of him, excuse me, as you guys are as well. I mean, I, I just, I popped his tape on and he looked phenomenal. And we already talked about, you know, the Sun Devils losing Rashad White and Chip Trainum. Somebody's got to step up and no disrespect to Daniel Ngata because I feel like he did play very well when his number was called last year. But you are going to need a lot of firepower, especially in an offense like Arizona State's that loves to utilize that two-back system. Uh, Tevin White showed up in uh, in training camp this week, so you know hopefully he can do a lot of damage. He graduated early just so he can arrive the spring ball. And then Valaday as well. I, I believe Valaday has looked pretty solid, and I do think, just a different prediction on my end, that Valaday will end up being the RB1 going into the next year. I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, the, the guy looks really solid. Uh, you know, both going back to his days at Wyoming and just in the, the two practices that we saw. So a, a lot of the transfer guys haven't quite yet been able to really make their mark. Um, uh, Nesta Jade from Miami, he, yep. he's been a guy who um, has a lot of hype behind him. Haven't really gotten to see him do a lot of damage on the defensive line quite yet, but that could all change whenever the pads come on. And obviously we have the spring game coming up in uh, late April. Then Corey Bethley, I'm very high on the Bethley train. I mean, a three-year starter at Hawaii. I mean, he was uh, a first-team all-MAC player last year, if I do rem remember correctly. 
And you know, we already talked about the, the Sun Devils losing all four of their starting spots in the secondary. You have to figure somebody is going to, uh, you know, battle for those spots. Uh, Kiwan Markham certainly figures to uh, play a role in getting one of the two other safety spots. But I, I think when push comes to shove, Bethley's experience will shine and he'll end up taking that other spot. It's definitely nice to hear you highlight some of the other transfers. An example, Messiah Swinson. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't overly impressed. It just felt like we were getting a body in the tight end room. It, it just, I hadn't necessarily watched him. It's not like he was coming from a, a blue blood program, right? And you talk about Curtis Hodges in the year that he had. He had an efficient year, right? Because he had what, like 18 catches, something super, super minuscule, whatever it was. Maybe it was low yep. 20, something like that, but just super efficient with those catches. So the fact that they've upgraded that tight end room could be super nice considering they don't really have a lot of weapons in the receiving game. But as you had mentioned, it'll be interesting to see if they use a little bit more 10 or 11 personnel uh, with both of their tight ends as well. Now, let's touch on the quarterbacks. We really haven't gotten to see both of them a ton right in. They're probably going to be alternating with the first teams. Trenton Borgay yep. getting the first start with first teams, not a surprise. But especially with the new OC in Glenn Thomas, it's not like he's just been there and knows the system. It's two quarterbacks now learning the system. And even with Herm Edwards publicly saying like, hey, we're kind of waiting until after spring ball to see what's out there, right? Because he's not going to name a starter a quarterback uh, until he knows like he has the best option at hand. Yeah, so I, I really don't think any quarterback has the advantage right now. If you're making me pick one side, it's going to be Borgay, just because, you know, he has that kind of experience in the chemistry with the wide receivers and with the offense. But Connor, like you pointed out, they're both learning a new offense. Um, and, you know, it, honestly, Herb Edwards spoke about how the offense really wasn't going to change. You know, some of the verbiage might have changed, but like a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do like down to X's and O's wasn't going to drastically change. And it was really funny because he said that if anything, because um, pre-snap penalties was brought up a lot in his opening press conference on Tuesday. Did they have some? Was that a thing this year? <laughs> they, they may or may not have lost a handful of games, maybe or maybe not, because they just couldn't keep the, the dirty laundry off the field, as both of you know very well. So – he, Herm was asked, how exactly do you plan on kind of like fixing this? And he said, well, we've talked with Glenn, uh, you know, we've talked to Brian Billick, you know, who just got brought onto the staff as an offensive analyst. Ravens, man. That's right. That is right. Former Super Bowl champion. And there's a couple Ravens on that coaching staff too, by the Richie. I'm sure you're well aware of that. Um, and her, Edwards has talked about getting rid of just the, all the extra flashy stuff that you know, we presume that Zach Hill most likely brought on to that. A lot of the, the motion, a lot of just like the, the gadgety stuff that AC ran last year. Edwards is like, listen, we really want to get back to the basics. We really just want to try to eliminate as many things pre-play for these guys as we can. So we can just line up and go play football. Well, come to find out during the team periods that the media have been able to see, the first two practices, guess what? There's a lot of pre-snap motion. Guess what? There's a lot of play action. And it's like, okay, well, she said this, but then, you know, the offense looks kind of similar to what they did last year. It's um, not 1980s. That's not a huge surprise. No, no. Like all, all the pre-snap movements is here to stay. It just is. No, it was really interesting because if you go back and you watch Glenn Thomas's offenses the last couple of years at UNLV, there was a lot of pistol a lot of pistol ran, but you know, you really weren't sure whether that was 
due to him or uh, the head coach at UNLV, Arroyo, I believe is his last name. You really didn't know who that was. And obviously uh, he coached at Temple underneath Matt Rule. And a lot of people, you know, kind of believe that the offensive success that the Owls had was more attributed to Rule's kind of, you know, mastermind game planning as opposed to a guy like Thomas. But, I mean, he's got college experience. He's got pro experience. I mean, he worked with Matt Ryan for a handful of years. He's widely attributed to being credited to having Matt Ryan take that next jump to being one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL during his time. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot. If you're going to have any offense coordinator to go into a quarterback battle with, it might be Glenn Thomas. But, I mean, just looking at these guys, Paul Tyson doesn't move the needle for me. Trenton Borgay doesn't move the needle for me. I mean, they're both different but not in like great ways to where you would actually prefer one over the other. Real quick. I do. I do want to ask you on the topic of Paul Tyson, an article mm -hmm. came out earlier this week from Bleacher Report. They highlighted 10 quarterbacks who you've forgotten about that could surprise you this year. And they did put Paul Tyson on that list. What would be your initial reaction to that? So I get the hype around Tyson. I do. I mean, he's a six foot five quarterback uh, he played at Alabama, which I don't really put a whole lot of stock into. No, Blake Barnett um, played at Alabama. He took knees Jay Coker at Alabama. also played at Alabama. Jay Coker. Blake Sims. We Blake can keep Sims. going. Oh, dude, all, all night. We could definitely go. But you, you get a guy who knows what it takes to win a championship, comes from a winning culture. Air quotes, if you know, if you're listening and not reading or watching, excuse me. So he's he's more your prototypical like pocket quarterback. Uh, he's not very mobile. He's got a very strong arm. He's got the build you want in this like ideal traditional quarterback. Whereas Borgay, Borgay is five eleven. Um, he's a little bit more mobile than Tyson, but like not by any crazy stretch of the imagination. I mean, Tyson has sixteen passing attempts in his career. Borgay has twelve. I uh, like there's really nothing to write yeah, home. About no sample size. At, like any of these guys. <clears throat> So Tyson, I get the hype, but like just from my own eyes, and like I know this is an opinion that you guys have as well. I I just don't see it. I do not see it with Paul Tyson. Every Arizona State fan I seem to talk to is head over heels convinced that he's going to be the guy to write ACU back on the ship. And I I am just not buying it. I really am not. He could well, be a guy. There you go. Yeah, he could be a guy. Here's a guy. So yeah, no, I would agree with you. My initial reaction and one of the things that, of course, they had to bring up, like this is starting to fall under the category of, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick played at Harvard? Oh, it, is, yep. it is that Paul Tyson is what, like the great grandson of Paul Bryant? Yep, yep. Yeah, of the legendary Bear Bryant, Alabama head coach. So that is very quickly becoming one of those like, oh, Antonio Gates played basketball in college. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> he did. It's, yeah, fun fact. Just one one of those stats that I don't really care. Not even a stat, but like a like a like a fun fact. fact. Yeah, thank you. So that's I feel like that's that has a lot to do with the hype. He was a four star recruit. It's not like this is a nobody kid, but yeah. I, I feel like because this reeks of Blake Barnett all over again because yep. Barnett was supposed to be the real deal and he couldn't beat out Manny Wilkins. Now, this obviously is a much more wide open competition and there's a lot yet to be seen, but two days worth of practice. Donnie, who would you give the edge to right now? It, it's got to be Borgay um, yeah. today. Not Excuse me, not today. Uh, during Thursday's practice, um, we did get to see a little bit of both guys throw the football and granted, this is still – 
a very small sample size. I'm talking like two passes for Borgay and like five passes for Tyson. Tyson had a couple incompletions that kind of made you scratch your head. One of them was a deep ball. I forget to which receiver and receiver just couldn't like adjust to it in enough time. But as the media people were being shooed away from practice, because like it does close after it close does close words are hard uh, to the public after a certain amount of time, just so they're able to do more like in depth, like team installing and stuff. Uh huh. Um, the last pass is we are walking away almost gets picked off, like hits the defensive back right in his hands. And just like the DB isn't able to come down with it. So like that certainly doesn't give me a lot of like hope with Tyson. Um, you know, maybe over time, whenever he does establish a rhythm with his guys and like, you have to remember too, um, he's running with like the second stringers and like granted, like there's not like a, a night and day difference between the ones and the twos right now in spring ball. But I mean, Throwing to Ricky Parasol is a little bit different than throwing to Chad Johnson Jr., right? 100%. 100%. So I think right now I would have to give the edge to Borgay. One thing I did want to bring up to you guys, though, I Please. don't know if you caught this. Herm Edwards, during his press conference on Tuesday, was asked about the quarterback competition, obviously a couple of different times throughout the like 30 minutes we got to talk to him. And he said this. He said, quote, um, he was asked about the transfer portal and, you know, Jane Daniels got brought up and like this, yes. this and that. And obviously he, he got a, he got a guy from Alabama through the portal. He said, quote, I always said a plan that can't be changed is a bad plan. So if you have a plan doing something and it has to be changed, you better be in a position to change it. And so we'll be in a position to do what we have to do to make sure the best quarterback, uh, is able to play the position. And this is where everybody kind of like looks at each other and questions our entire ex existence. He says, hopefully that guy is here. I would love for that yep. to happen. Yep. We don't know that yet because it's the first day of practice. That's where it's at. End quote. Herm, what do you mean you hope your guy is here? Herm, it is spring football, brother. What do you mean you hope your guy is here? He needs to be here. Right. You, you can't hope for a starting quarterback to fall out in the transfer portal now. You you did that a couple uh, months ago, and look how that happened. So, like, totally astonishing might be the right word, that, like, Herm is still leaving out the possibility of adding another quarterback post-spring ball. I, I just think whether that's an indictment on like the current quarterback room, whether that's an indictment on Herm just wanting to leave the door open. Yes. He, he yes. did mention that they did leave a couple scholarships and places left to add more talent through the transfer portal. One of those might be quarterback. He did say they wanted to beef up both the secondary and the defensive line after doing both already in the transfer portal. I just thought it was really interesting that he left the door open for a transfer portal quarterback. That is a very interesting point and definitely something that we're going to have to monitor, i.e. a JT Daniels from Georgia. But let's go ahead. We're going to take our first break here. When we return, it's time to talk a little bit of NFL draft. We're just going to get some quick insight from Donnie on our prospects. But first, we have a quick word from one of our friends. Guys, if you've been listening to Locked on Sentinels for any amount of time now, you know we've been talking to you guys about Built Bar. And at this point, we're halfway through March. A lot of people have already given up on their New Year's resolutions, but not Richie and I, not this year. We're sticking to our resolutions and eating right, and that's strictly thanks to Built Bar. 
It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because we actually enjoy eating them. Have you guys tried the puffs yet? If you haven't, you're just missing out on one of uh, Built Bar's best tasting protein bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat and covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All of them are so good and they're going to be your new favorite if you just give them a shot. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better than a typical candy bar, which can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and score down to the macros chart. And you guys are going to be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of, pro of protein. Compare that to literally any candy bar, which has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Those aren't even close. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they're going to make it, and it will be delicious and good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. And again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, this podcast is free and available on all platforms. Donnie, you got to spend some time out in the combine and you were able to get an inside look at the pro day at our draft prospects. And there's quite a few of them headed into this draft. And I don't know if we have time to go into all like 27 Sun Devils that are going into this draft, but I do want to touch on some of the key guys. So it has to start and end with Rashad White. So please tell us, tell us everything that you know. Yeah, uh, sorry, I was a bit distracted during the break. I was trying to put in my order for the Built Bar with the uh, promo code locked on for 15% off. Well, there you uh, go. There, locked there 15, go. sir. Locked 15, sorry. Just so the great people heard that once more. Uh, Richie, I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, any conversation that starts with Arizona State pro prospects begins and ends with a guy like Rashad White. Um, I really think that he had a solid outing at the NFL Combine, and then I think at the pro day, um, he didn't exactly uh, like improve his draft stock drastically, but he also didn't like hurt it at all. Um, he didn't run through any of like the testing. He just went through some like individual drills. Um, at this point, if you're asking me to peg like a, a day of the draft that he goes on, I would buy late day two. I really would, especially yeah. just because like. That's where that's where the comp picks start to kick in for teams at the end of the third round. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see somebody taking a flyer on him at that point in time. Um, round four, though, I think round four is definitely his sweet spot. I would be a little surprised if he snuck outside the top four rounds. But then again, I'm not in you know a lot of these meetings with NFL scouts, and not in a lot of the uh, the minds and the thought processes. Uh, but Rashad White has definitely seen his draft stock improve, and he was already one of the top running backs, at least in my opinion, in this draft process before the combine hit, before he participated in the pro day. And there was a bunch of scouts there as well. I think I counted 26 or 27 of the the 32 teams that were actually in attendance for the pro day. Um, so Rashad definitely uh, seems to be uh, the guy for Arizona State to get drafted earlier. Then I kind of go to my next tier of guys. It's going to be both of the offensive linemen 
Kellen Deesh and Donovan West. And I, I really think either of those guys will be the second one taken off of the board. It's really just more of a preference of what teams want. Um, Kellen Deesh tested phenomenally athletically at the NFL combine, whereas Donovan West didn't exactly wow people, but I think more than anything, he impressed in the team interviews with some of the things that I had heard. He's a very smart kid. Whenever I talked to him at the NFL combine, I asked him a football question. I asked him to take me through his pre-snap reads, and he just sat there for a good like three minutes, which is a long time when, when you're holding a phone, by the way. Three minutes, and he just took me through every little detail of pre-snap information that you could have asked for out of a center. He's a versatile guy that could play pretty much any spot within the interior. So I do think that helps him as well. Whereas the issue is kind of almost stuck to that tackle spot. Um, so I, I, I would probably put Deesh a little bit ahead of Donovan West, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Donovan a second off of the board. And then you kind of get into the, like the next tier of guys where it's like the uh, Jack Jones and like Chase Lucas's of the world. And from there, I think it's a pick your poison. I mean, Jack, uh, not Jack Lucas, Jack Jones is definitely, <laughs> yeah, really. They, they should like the best of both worlds with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Voltron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Jones, I believe, is the more athletic cornerback. And I, I do feel like teams would be more willing to bet on a guy like Jack Jones due to his athleticism and his ability to keep up with receivers. But Chase Lucas also didn't do super bad in his testing either, especially at the pro day. I do feel like he ran pretty well. Um, fun fact, Chase Lucas actually has a bet with Frank Darby, former Arizona State wide oh, wow. receiver. I saw that. Last yes. year. Yep. Yep. Connor, I'm not sure if you're aware of any of the listeners mm -hmm. are aware, but he has a $5,000 bet with Frank Darby to see who will get drafted first. Him or Jack Jones? No, no, sorry, Frank Darby. Uh, it was uh, who who will get drafted higher. So Darby yeah. went, I believe, pick one eighty one or one eighty seven last year. Um, so Chase Lucas might be looking to to make some money. Uh, we asked him if Darby would indeed pay up, and he said, "Hey, he's on that rookie minimum contract. He better pay up. I know he's got that dough." So, like the the Jones Lucas area is for me kind of that like purgatory, right? Like if they get drafted, sure. If they don't get drafted, I also kind of understand. I would be a little bit surprised personally, but I, I would I would get it. Can and we just you, say, I'm, I'm really sorry. I want to interject before we move on. How many <laughs> Falcons receivers are out here making bets? Like haven't they learned oh, once oh is enough? Gosh. Seriously, Darby, what, what are you doing, man? The Falcons need help. They need help. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, my Continue. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and apparently Calvin Ridley <laughs> called Michael Jordan and uh, had a bet to see who can call the, the gambling hotline faster. And on the gambling hotline, uh, this is Pete Rose. How can I help you today? <laughs> so then you get to the other three guys that were invited at the Combine. Curtis Hodges, Darian Butler, DJ Davidson. Um, all three of us are extremely high on Darian Butler, as we should be, because he's yes. a phenomenal linebacker. And just like an energetic guy, whenever you talk to him too, like really awesome. I think teams might be willing to take a late flyer on Curtis Hodges due to his size. I do think he had a very, very good pro day because there were times where Trenton Bourget was throwing him the ball and he had to use every bit of his frame to go out and catch footballs and bring them down. There were a couple of times where, uh, you know, Hodges caught a couple balls and he was jogging back to the sideline and some of the scouts from, I believe it was the, uh, the Steelers 
um, the dolphins and then like another scout were kind of like chirping at him and like, you know, laughing it up with him. So definitely not a bad thing to have those kind of guys cutting it up with you in the middle of the pro day. So I think Hodges might be worth a late round fryer. Darian Butler was asked if he would take a draft pick on himself or like if he believes he's going to be worth a pick. And honestly, he said, yeah. And that really kind of made me think because I think I've been so high on Darian Butler. I have just been kind of assuming he was going to get drafted at some point. And it kind of opened my eyes to realize that like maybe the rest of the league doesn't see him like that. I don't know. I don't know if it's the, the ASU rose colored like lenses I'm looking through, but I mean, I, I hope he gets drafted, but then again, you know, you never really realize exactly, you know, who these guys are being evaluated by like DJ Davidson, no disrespect, my man. I, I just don't know how we got a combine invite over a guy like Tyler Johnson. I mean, DJ Davidson is like such a nice guy and is a really smart dude. He tested okay at the combine. He looked okay at the pro day, but like nothing really blew me away. I, I feel like he didn't really establish his draft stock, especially in a draft class with loads of defensive linemen in it. And like Davidson was already kind of at like the, the bottom tier of that movement. I just feel like he didn't do a whole, whole lot. And then you get to the other guys that weren't even invited to the combine. Um, Tyler Johnson, who needed to have a very big pro day since he didn't get invited to the combine. I thought he did really well. I, I thought if anybody was kind of like a winner from Arizona State's pro day, it was Tyler Johnson because he didn't get that opportunity to show himself in Indianapolis. He did get that opportunity to show himself in Tempe and a familiar setting with drills designed and designated to make him look good with testing times that are maybe a little bit more friendly than the lasers and Lucas Oil Stadium. And then uh, just the other guys like Logan Tyler, a punter, He's not that kid from San Diego State, so I, I don't think he's going to get drafted. And then basically everybody else, an unrestricted free agent, have a crack at him, sure. But, I mean, I, I'm not really hanging my hat on anybody to get drafted outside of, like, Rashad, Kellen Deesh, Donovan West. And then, like, I'll, I'll cut it at Jack Jones because, like, Chase Lucas makes me a little bit nervous. I do think he gets drafted, but he does make me nervous. And everybody else underneath that is kind of like a Donnie. That's perfect. That is that's perfect because we have we have a line sitting at four and a half right now for Sun Devils to be it's drafted. Three and a half. Well, apparently, it's three and a half. It's been three and a half. You're so dumb. I swear. Three and a half for Sun Devils to get drafted. Donnie's <laughs> taking the over. I'm taking the over. Even if it was four and a half, I think <clears> I would <throat> take the over. It's tough, dude. But the four you mentioned, I feel very confident getting drafted with the outside shot of a Lucas or a Butler. So as we continue through this process, Donnie, we'll continue to talk to you more. There's a couple of comparisons for our prospects to pro prospects that I have popped in my head, but okay. I'm going to write them down and we're going to bring it up at another time. I am teasing way in the future for you guys. So there's your NFL draft update from our own Donnie Druin. We're going to go ahead, hop into our final break. When we return, it's time to talk some college hoops and everything that's going on there. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. For all the odd, latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up now. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, guys. We got a. We talked a lot of football. Unfortunately, it's it's time to talk about basketball. Yeah, the very the very disappointing end to the season that we did end up having. So, Donnie, I'm going to turn it over to you. I think the people have heard enough from me and Connor about basketball and how disappointing it was, and especially because of the hot the hot 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 stretch that they ended that season on, only to ultimately <laughs> falter. So. We'll deal a couple questions your way just mm-hmm. to kind of get your opinion on them. The first question that I have, Donnie, what happened? You know, it was really funny. Like haha funny or ironic funny? Because it doesn't Shit, sound haha funny. Both. Um, it was really funny being there and having all of that happen in front of you, you know? Especially whenever you already have your post-game article written and ready to hit publish. <laughs> and things just take a turn on you. Three minutes is a long time. Three minutes is a very long time. I've told that to multiple people. Three minutes is a super long time. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I think it's really funny because whenever it comes to tournament play, whether it's the Pac-12, NCAA, NIT, whatever it is, your demons from the entire season always seem to come back to haunt you, right? What was Arizona State's, sorry, what was a couple of Arizona State's bad calling cards this year? Free throw shooting and turnovers. Right. What did they not do at all the last three minutes and one second of the game whenever they were up by 14 over Stanford? They didn't make, they a free didn't throw? make any of their free throws. Sorry, they made like one to five, I believe. And then they, they turned the ball over like three or four times like during that process. I just think it was a, a perfect like capture of Arizona State season because things were going so great for the first 37 minutes of right. that game. And then Very it just confident. fell apart. And it just fell apart. And like we talked to Kamadi Lawrence following that loss to Stanford, and he said, I just felt like we were playing the scoreboard. And it's like you can't do that. You really cannot do that. Um, and I really can't attribute Arizona State's collapse to any one particular thing. It, it's a combination of players thinking the game was already won. It's a combination of Bobby Hurley not putting the nail in the coffin whenever he needed to. It's just basketball is a game of runs, and the Cardinal ended that game on a 16-1 to run. And, like, so much went wrong at the worst time for Arizona State. I think if you replay that scenario 9.9 times out of 10, that does not happen again. But you don't get any do-overs. You have to play what's in front of you. You only get one shot at it. And Arizona State, for lack of better terms, collapsed. And you know what? Deservedly so, because for so many points throughout the season, they teased us. They they looked like they were possibly going to make a strong run to the Pac-12 tournament. But at the end of the day, I, I think everybody who called Arizona State frauds heading into the Pac-12 tournament, they were right. And they were proven right on the first day of opening play. Yeah, I don't think uh, frauds is definitely like – it's certainly not the bad uh, a wrong term. 
phony. Like ASU's a big, big fat, fat phony. phony. Um, yeah, t- totally agree. Now, I-, I think a lot of people would have widely considered ASU to be one of the, the dark horses entering that tournament just because of how well they played. Like their one loss in that stretch of, of what it was, eight games in the season was to yep. UCLA, a ranked UCLA team. Okay, like we, yeah, like we can get that. That is what it is. Uh, ASU and Donnie, I, I don't remember if maybe you put this out there if I read this somewhere else. Um, ASU had not won their last four games in a basketball season since like 80, 81. Something, something stupidly long. I'm so not the, that like, smart. Like I, I had read that, I want to say on Twitter somewhere, and it just, had just been historically long since like they, they won, I think it was three games in a row before they, they played UCLA. It was like, okay, like if they lose that game, I get it, but can they really win out? Well, apparently, yeah, but at, at the end of the day, like having to watch that 16-1 run at the end of the game, it just, as you had mentioned, perfect way. I, I shouldn't say perfect. Uh, no, no, it, it was it poetic. Just, it just, that's probably the best way to say it. It was the, the most poetic way to end the season. And, and at the end of the day, were they going to beat the buzzsaw that was Arizona immediately after that? Probably not, but there's a lot of people out there saying, like, hey, if, if Gonzaga's already won their their uh their conference, like they Arizona's got nothing to gain from the Pac-12 tournament. Literally nothing. And you almost kind of saw that a little bit where Stanford lost by three, I think, the next game, two or three. So I mean there's there's just there's that what if question now of like if they had just not blown a 16 to 1 lead at the end of a game, maybe, just maybe they had a shot at going there. Because if you were able to beat Arizona, you had a chance of beating anybody. I want I want to interject there really really quick. There's a difference between playing Stanford and playing Arizona State when you're U of A. They would have yep, put that foot right on their throat. And yep. let me let me kind of uh, sprinkle this on top. During the ASU Stanford game, Arizona didn't play that day, right? And you know how you're able to like buy tickets for like days, right? So you're able to be there for like an entire day and like watch all of the games, right? There were plenty. Plenty of Wildcat fans there on oh gosh, Wednesday yeah. to watch the slate of games. So much to the point to where they started a U of A chant multiple times that rang throughout the arena. Uh, I can only imagine the atmosphere, what that would have been like had Arizona State held on and played U of A on Thursday. Oh, which I do think it's man. very good point. Because, yeah, playing Stanford in, in, in the second round of the tournament, the Cardinal are a very solid basketball team whenever they want to be. But man, like you, you put the forks up in in front of those starting five kids, and actually, like the, the eight or nine kids that are always like in that rotation, just because they're so deep, it's different. It, it is a completely different ball game. But also to another point, sure, Arizona State got swept by Arizona this year, but I feel like there were decent enough stretches in those two games that they played against Arizona to where you felt like the Sun Devils could have at least hung with them in the Pac-12 tournament, right? I mean, they, they played two very strong halves against Arizona. It just didn't happen to be in the same game. 100%, man. It was just very, very unfortunate. Uh, re- really, like, far in advance here, not so much, like, how the team's going to look this upcoming year because, once again, there's going to be a lot of changes, especially with Kamani Lawrence no longer being with the team. He's just yeah. he's run out of eligibility. He's one of the – He squeezed the, it out, too. Yes, he did. Like seriously, as much as he could. Same with Marion Jackson. But speaking on on the terms of those two, do do we think that they have any kind of NBA future or maybe like a Euro League or anything like that? Because I 
for what it's worth, and as you know, Donnie, and as most of our friends know, I'm not the biggest basketball guy in the world. <laughs> However, when Cody Justice was just draining three points at Arizona State, he was able to find himself in the Euro League, and I don't know how long he stuck, but he did have himself a little stint. And it makes me feel like a Marion Jackson who really came on strong. He was the Mac player of the year the previous season before he got to ASU. Not so much does he have a shot to get drafted because the NBA draft is so weird. There's five positions, 64 picks. But yep. what what do you think? Just real brief overview. Do, do either of these guys potentially have some kind of future in the pros, even if it's in a minor league kind of thing? I do. I don't think their future is going to be in the NBA. Um, the G League might be a possibility. Thank you. That's what it's called. I do like um, it, well, it's actually called the uh, no, it's, it's the G League now. It used to be the D League. Um, I think Jackson probably has the upper edge over a guy like Kamani Lawrence, and that's no disrespect to Kamani. No, um, I, I, I just feel like Jackson might be able to kind of sink his feet a little bit better at, at the pro level. Um, the EuroLeague is a, a very popular league to where, you know, um, I don't want to call them like misfits or like rejects, but oftentimes um, there are opportunities for guys who don't make the NBA to go over into leagues like the EuroLeague or the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association is another one. Um, and then you have that league that uh, LaMelo Ball played in for a year mm -hmm. before he made the jump to the NBA too. If you want to play basketball and you're pretty talented and you have the build, you will find a place to play. I feel like there's plenty of places over the world and the NBA has done such a great job at globalizing the game of basketball. It, it also helps that all you need to play basketball is just a hoop and a ball. You know, you don't need a bunch of expensive equipment. You know, you just need a ball. Very or something accessible. Like throw it in. Yep. Exactly. Accessible. A lot of people can play. It's very basic at its core to understand and play. I wish play I with could a bunch play. of people. Yeah. I also wish I could play too. <laughs> um, I, I think, Jackson will definitely get an opportunity somewhere. Kamani just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy, if he wants to stay at like a forward spot, he doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy that will get an opportunity like that and then succeed with it. There you go. Connor, do you have anything to add? No, I think that is it. Uh, great insight as always. Don um talking whether it's uh, again always great having our, our number one friend on the podcast oh. number one friend yep i remember that yep absolutely so donnie again thank you so much for joining the pod we absolutely love you on here donnie will be on the pod plenty of other times so not to fret everybody throughout the remainder of the draft process donnie will be hopping on to talk about our favorite mm -hmm. prospects i'm sure we'll have him on when our guys do get drafted He'll pop on during the offseason. He'll pop on during the regular season. Donnie Druin is the number one friend of the podcast, although a very close number two friend of the podcast will be Connor Drios. Connor, this is your last episode. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. You got to start this pod with me, and it, it's been nothing short of an amazing ride, and I know that it hasn't been that long, but, I mean, we recorded well over 100 episodes together and truly just – from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I just want to take that moment to thank you. Yeah, always appreciate all the listeners uh, reaching out to us on social media, interacting with us. Uh, we just love making this content. Like it, it's not yes. like it, it's not. Like we
Connor doing all sorts of lagging out today. Mm-hmm. State sports uh, and had. Sorry about that. Can you guys hear me now? We can yep. hear you now. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just got to talk about a team that we love, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, whatever that might be. Uh, so just doing that was absolutely a dream come true. So it's always been a pleasure to be on this podcast with you guys. And of course, Connor, this isn't goodbye forever. This is just goodbye for now. Connor will be hopping on plenty of times, I'm sure, throughout the remainder of this offseason and the regular season. Connor will be by. He's just not going to be here every day. But not to worry, the Locked on Sundables podcast isn't going anywhere. Yours truly, Richie Bratchel, will still be driving that ship. But until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked on Sundables podcast. Remember, the podcast is free and available on all platforms such as YouTube. If you want to see us in a video format, you can also listen to us in an audio format on places like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, and plenty more. Follow the three of us on Twitter too. You can follow me at RichieBrads36. You can follow Connor at Cedrios. You can follow Donnie at Donnie Druin. Make sure to follow the podcast at LO underscore Sun Levels. And just for one more, if you want all of the inside information on everything Arizona State, make sure you follow at all Sun Devils as well. But that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. Go ahead and make your second listen, Locked on NFL Draft, as Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the Locked on Sundials, it is free and available on all platforms. And until next time, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sundials.